Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sessions with Sid. Today, I'm really, really excited to have one of my very best friends, Sean Post, on the show. Sean is a registered dietitian, but first and foremost, she's truly one of my most treasured friends. We met when I was in grad school in Nebraska, of all places, and we became immediate friends. And I went to her wedding. I mean, this is just like, she's one of my, my most treasured friends. So Sean, welcome to the show. So happy to have you. Thanks so much, Sydney. It's so awesome to be here. Yes. Um, can you please, I know I kind of introduced you in a big way, but can you please introduce yourself and uh, tell us what you do and what you're passionate about? Yes, I'd love to. Um, so like Sydney said, I'm Sean. Um, I'm a registered dietitian, born and raised in Nebraska, which is where Sydney and I met while we were also working at a restaurant. Um, good times there. So I recently moved to Portland, Oregon with my husband for his residency. And when I moved here, I got a job working at a residential treatment center for adolescents with um, with eating disorders. So my career path has really been all over the place since I graduated from grad school and did my clinical rotations um, in Boston. So after Boston, I moved back to Nebraska and I started working at a hospital doing inpatient work for a couple of months. And then I had told my manager when she hired me that I did not want to do inpatient and to get me into outpatient work ASAP. So there was a position open working in bariatrics. So I um, became one of the dietitians working with people undergoing bariatric surgery, which is on the total opposite end of the spectrum for, from what I do now. Um, I was super pumped to do that job and pretty much a day later I was like, I hate this. This is unethical and awful and terrible. Um, and then I also stumbled upon intuitive eating and health at every size, which Sydney and I can talk more about later, but it was really with learning more about those philosophies that really just totally like flipped my world upside down when it came to how I thought about nutrition and how I approached it. Um, I knew I was going to be leaving the state for the first part of my husband's residency. So I was like, I'm going to stick this out. Um, but in that time, it just made being a dietitian really hard. So I ended up finding a different line of work and went into PR for about six months. Also super different. Um, learned a lot, um, but I was working for a startup company as a yoga teacher, and they asked me to be to come on as a dietitian. And I really loved the company. I loved the nutrition philosophy, which was also very much intuitive eating and health at every size. So it really aligned with my values. Um, when I took that job, I knew I was going to be moving, which also was really hard. But I was like, I need to just see what it's like and I want to get the experience and just also be around all of these amazing people. And then when I moved to Portland, um, it's, I knew I didn't want to work in a hospital, but I also 
had a little bit of an interest in eating disorders and this job popped up and that's where I am now. So that's the very long-winded version of my career path. Um, I think what I've really come to learn from my job is just how much I think it's important that inclusive messaging and factual information and messaging is like, that's really, really important for consumers. Um, and I feel really passionate about that of just making sure that when we're presenting something that we're not cutting out certain populations or we're not stigmatizing certain populations or causing shame. Um, cause I just feel like in so many facets from advertising to food marketing, to even eating disorders, treatment centers, there's a lot of stigma and that's something I just really want to work on somehow taking down. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all that. Um, yeah. Sorry. It was a lot. <laughs> no, I'm excited to ask you more about each of those different pieces and what you just said about shame, I think is so important because Oh man, there's so much around body image and eating and all these things floating around social media. And that is such a huge piece of it that I definitely would love to dive into more. Um, I love that you've had so many different experiences. I think that it's so important to have just yeah, different experiences to find out like what you like doing and what you don't like doing. And that's really important. Um, I'd love to ask you maybe a little bit about your different experiences. So you mentioned working in bariatrics and that you realized you essentially hated it um, and how unethical it was. And as you know, I love talking about things that are, you know, controversial. And so I'm, I'm curious, like, what did you find from that job that you were just like, no, this doesn't align with my values. I can't. Yeah. So I definitely think after reading intuitive eating and health at every size where like, that was where it really made me realize like what I felt like was important when it came to eating and just trying to live a like quote unquote healthy lifestyle. Um, you know, I think probably one of the biggest things for me is just overall integrity. Um, just like being able to have integrity, like within yourself and within your journey. And it's like, diets don't have integrity. Um, bariatric surgery doesn't have integrity. It's just not, <laughs> sorry for anybody who's had bariatric surgery, please don't take this as a personal offense. Um, but what I had such a problem with, I mean, I think also some of it comes from just the fact that I really, really hate leaving people out. I hate excluding people or causing shame upon others. And in something like bariatric surgery, even though it's very like subconscious and probably people in the field don't even realize like it's happening. It's like, we're telling people and we're quote unquote, helping people to get to a place to find happiness in a smaller body and saying that the only way to be happy is that you have to be in a smaller body and that the body you're in now means that you have a terrible life and you're not going to be able to live to your fullest. And it's like, we're forgetting about all the other things 
that might be going on in that person's life. Like, we don't know all about their, um, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, what access do they have? Like, do they have access to food? Do they have access to clean water? Like, what's their housing situation like? Like, there's just, like, so much, like, almost, like, injustice that comes a part of bariatric surgery and just that whole, whole world. Um, yeah, sorry. I think I was just giving, like, a random stream of consciousness there. But, so, yeah, it just felt so wrong. I think, um, again, just this fact of, like, telling people that you have to change your body in order to be happy was, like, what we were doing. And, you know, this is not to say that, like, like, I'm trying, I don't want to discount any sort of, like, health benefits that people were experiencing. Like, I mean, I saw it firsthand of, like, I had plenty of patients who had type 2 diabetes and were taking insulin every day, and then they had this surgery, and their type 2 diabetes goes away, and they don't have to take insulin anymore. And so it's like, in that case, it's like, wow, that's amazing. Like they don't have to pay all this money for this insulin and they don't have to deal with this anymore. But it's like, again, like what they're doing is they're also starving themselves and eating 1200, 800 calories a day. And as a result of that, it's like, they're restricting because they have to like, they're like, it's like, we're forcing starvation on them. Mm -hmm. um I could talk about that for days <laughs> yeah I mean we, we can get into it like this is fascinating oh my God. yeah so just I think also then from my perspective like as a dietitian like telling people like you can't eat this um you can't eat that you can only eat this amount at one time you can only eat a total of a cup of food in one sitting like I want all of your listeners to think about like how much food do you eat in one sitting and imagine putting that all in one cup. Like, excuse me? Um, no. And so can you imagine doing that for the rest of your life? Um, and so it was like with telling people like you can't have these things that it was like they would come into my office and be like, oh, like I, I had this, this bag of chips or I ate these cookies. And, you know, then it's like, I would feel like, I would have to be the one telling them like, listen, like you can't be eating these things because you're going to get sick or they would come in and the doctor would be telling them that they're not losing enough weight and they're not hitting their weight loss curves. And so then they come see me and then it's like, I'm the one that's supposed to be telling them like, oh, look, you just had two pieces of pizza last night. Like you, you can't do that anymore. And so it was just like the amount of shame that I was like causing them, even though like it wasn't like unintentional shame, it was just, it just never felt good for what I was doing. Yeah. It was really hard. It was a really, really hard job. Yeah. And I, I think it's so powerful that you were able to realize that and then walk away from it because it's really hard to walk away from a job in general, but to realize that it wasn't an integrity with the way that you want to practice as a dietitian, that takes a lot of courage and just shows like how important it is for you as a dietitian, as a person to be an in integrity. And I think personally, integrity is really important for everyone. And like, if what you're doing isn't in alignment 
with how you want to show up in the world, that's a huge problem. And so yeah, I just want to say like you walking away from that um, really is amazing. Um, yeah. yeah, it was hard. I mean, I did like a year and a half of therapy because I hated my job so much. And like that was really a big thing that her, my therapist and I talked about was just that like my job like you said, the, like the values that I felt like I was holding my job was not, those values were not aligning with what I was holding. Yeah. yeah, You said that perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Cause I'm sure that wasn't easy to like describe, but I can imagine if you feel like you're shaming people in a way, whether it's conscious or not is icky it just gives me this like icky feeling yeah Uh, I mean honestly towards the end I just started giving people intuitive eating I was like I need you to read this book and then you can come back and tell me like what you think um yeah because I was just like this is this is crazy like this is what your life is gonna be like if you go through with this surgery um yeah I'm very like I'm thankful for all of the skills I learned just I think like as a human being but my last day was the best day ever I was like I'm out Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am out of this clinic yeah I mean and what was I mean honestly what was also crazy is just like showing up like just the way you show up when you hate when you hate a job so much like it was like every day I was like yeah like gonna be a great day um so leaving it just like felt so good. And I was like, I don't have to put on that face anymore. Mm-hmm. Totally. Something you mentioned in there along with like the shame that, that happens with people, especially people going through that kind of surgery is what came to my mind is like serving sizes and how serving sizes can induce a lot of shame. Like, I mean, I think about like, if I, if I'm not eating the serving size recommended on like, uh, I don't know, a jar of nut butter, right? You feel like there's like a shame that goes along with it. Like, oh, I ate more than two tablespoons of, you know, nut butter. But can you talk about like your feeling about serving sizes and like, how I guess how you view them and totally guide them to people yeah I mean so serving size is the way that I see them like on a nutrition label is they're like is that they should be purely informational and it's just like you know sometimes it's like you look at something and you're like I don't know how much of this to eat like what's what's quote-unquote normal so I think it can be like a good learning experience for people but at the end of the day like there definitely has to be some caution when it comes to serving sizes because, you know, all serving sizes are based on a 2000 calorie diet. Well, not everybody is the same and not everybody has the same metabolism and not everybody works the same and we all have such different needs. And so I feel like when we start to take those serving sizes so seriously, it really takes us away from our own body cues. I mean, like for the instance of like, the nut butter. I mean, it's like for some people, like one or two tablespoons of nut butter just like isn't going to be enough. 
Like it's not going to be satisfying for maybe what they need that day. And so, yeah, then it's like, if someone's sitting there and they're like, okay, like I'm going to put on the amount of peanut butter on my toast that feels normal. And then let's say like, whatever, they like measured it and it was like four tablespoons and they're like, holy fuck. Like I just ate four tablespoons of peanut butter. You know, it's like, just the, like, imagine like the feeling of guilt they're having when it's like they were just trying to feed and nourish their body for what it felt like it needed. But then there's this label saying, okay, like you should only have eaten one or two tablespoons. And so then it's like, then a person gets into this cycle of guilt and shame of like, okay, oh my God, I just ate four tablespoons of peanut butter, but I'm only supposed to eat two tablespoons. So now I need to eat less at the next meal or snack. And then it's like the next time they eat the peanut butter, it's like, oh my God, I have to be more cautious. And it's like, I can imagine some people hearing this might think like, okay, that's really extreme, but it's a cycle of like, just, yeah, exactly. Shame and then potentially deprivation. And it just, yeah. It's so <laughs> relatable. That answered the question. No, it did answer the question. And it's so, it's so relatable. I'm sure like, I mean, it's relatable to me and I'm sure people listening are like, yeah, that's me. Like, I eat more than the serving size and then you like feel like shit about yourself because if you think about it of a, of literally an arbitrary serving size, like I wonder what it'd be like if there weren't serving sizes. I don't know. Right. Totally. I think that would be a great world to live in. Cause I mean, you're right. It's arbitrary because 2000 calories is arbitrary. Like it, really at the end of the day, that 2000 calorie, whatever, like it doesn't mean anything for anybody because it's like, you know, it doesn't take into account the person who's training for a marathon. It doesn't take into account the person who is rate re- weight restoring from an eating disorder, or it doesn't take into account the person who sits at a desk all day. Um, it's just like, it's like a blanket statement that everybody believes is like holy grail and fact. Yeah. And what I, what just kind of hit me is like, I really love looking at things from an evolutionary perspective because I find that fascinating because at the core, like we are human beings that have evolved and how, I mean, cavemen weren't like, Hmm, I'm going to portion out this like Buffalo or something like, (laughs) <laughs> just right eat until they were satiated and then moved on with whatever they were doing um right i'm wondering <laughs> i'm laughing because i like know how you feel about this but i really want to talk about it cuz i think it's i want your perspective heard how do you feel about people tracking their food i'm like laughing cuz i just like, <laughs> but Tracking their food in apps and like keeping track of calories and macros. Okay. (laughs) So I think before I give my perspective, like I want to just like ask a question to your listeners of like, like how do you feel when at the end of the day and you're looking at your like daily report or summary and it says you went over your carbohydrates or you went over your calories, like, like how do you feel? Like, I guess for me, like when I think about even just like the clients I work with now, and even when I was in the bariatric clinic and freaking telling people, 
like, oh, this day you went over your calorie limit. Like just the, the amount of shame and guilt that comes with that. And just like feeling bad, like, yeah, it's like if you're tracking in like whatever my fitness pal or something and it like, God, I'm trying to remember like what it's like now, but it's like, it turns red and it'll say like, you went over your calorie limit. And then it's like, you feel so bad. And you're, and so then it makes people feel like, like, gosh, like I don't have any self-discipline. Like I'm worthless. Like I can't, I don't even have control of my food. And so I just, like to me, it just, it can present a lot of issues. I think if someone wanted to track their macros, there would have to be like a really, 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 really times a hundred, like specific reason for why they had to, you know, such as if it's like a medical necessity, but I just, I personally think like the general person it's just not, it's just not helpful. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I'm guilty of doing it and it's a thing that's kind of back and forth. And I think it's obviously big in like the fitness space and people, you know, um, having specific goals, but as we're talking about it and just getting like the real perspective on it. When I really sit down and think about it, I'm like, is this what I want to be doing for the rest of my life? No. Mm -hmm. Um, like maybe it can be a good tool for short term to kind of have awareness, but totally. Um, I definitely agree with you that if it's causing guilt, shame, negative emotions around it that's probably not healthy like yeah anything else I mean yeah it's of course like if there's someone who's like yeah this is totally cool it's totally fine it's informational and I like to know it like great like you do you like I'm not I don't want people to think I'm telling them like delete your apps off your phone but it's like yeah you have to really guard your heart and be really protective and notice like okay what is coming up for me after I look at or after I input all of my food and like what if it doesn't line up perfectly like how does that make me feel as a human and like how does that affect my worth and my self-worth yeah so thank you so much for sharing your perspective on that um because I think it's a great one and bouncing off of that how do you approach clients wanting to lose weight then if maybe, I mean, bariatric surgery is such a, it's like one end of the extreme. Um, but how do you approach that with people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely different than, or like different with working with adolescents right now and also like having a very specific focus. But I think if I was in like a private practice and someone yeah, was coming in and they're like their first goal is like, I want to lose weight. I think I would first, I mean, I think even before that point, I, we would have had like some sort of like discovery call or some like meeting to where I could like give my approach. I mean, I feel like with how I view food and nutrition is it's like, I'm not anti-weight loss. It's like, I want to help people or like, I guess through the work that I'm doing currently, it's like, 
for me, the goal is to help people get to a place of like normal eating that feels really good in their bodies and feels good for them, but also matches like the daily demands of their body. And as a result of that, like their body might lose weight, it might stay the same, or it might even gain weight. And so I think some of it comes down to like some education of like, yeah, like you might want weight loss, but that your body might not want weight loss, which is a really hard conversation to have. I mean, I have to have that with like 13 and 14 and 15 year olds and they have a hard time wrapping their heads around that. Um, but it's just genetics have played such a huge part in our bodies and where our weight wants to be. Um, not everybody is going to be in a small body. Um, that's just not how the world works and that's just not how the world was created. So I think it's like when it comes to someone saying like, I want to lose weight, it's like, there's a lot of, a lot deeper stuff that I think has to be uncovered as well as just some education of like, look, like this might, like this, this realistically like might not happen for you, but it's like, how can we focus on you finding like healthy behaviors and healthy lifestyle habits that are just going to support you feeling your absolute best, regardless of what the number says on the scale. Yeah. I love that approach. And like what I heard and took away from that was getting at the why somebody wants to do something. Cause mm-hmm. someone could come to you and be like, I want to lose weight. But if you really poke at the why you will probably find that it has nothing to do with them losing weight. It has to do with their self-worth or their relationship with somebody in their past. Um, And so, yeah, I agree with you really digging deep below that surface level, like presenting concern is so sorry. Sorry. No worries. Um, Because I'm sure you probably find that like when you dig deep that the thing that someone is coming to you for isn't necessarily always the thing that they're coming to you for. Does that make sense? Totally. It's like they just want to be heard. Yeah. Just listen. I imagine a a lot of what you do is therapy. (laughs) Yes. Sometimes it feels like that. There definitely are some moments when I'm like, okay, um, you should talk to your therapist about that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a weird, I don't, weird isn't the right word. It's an interesting overlap of like nutrition and like medical nutrition therapy and just like counseling therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we could segue into what you're currently doing, which is... So you're at a residential treatment center for adolescents for yep. eating disorders. For eating disorders, yep. Tell us a little bit about that, like what you do there, and then we can dive a little deeper into that. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, it's a residential center. So basically, residential is like a step down from being in the hospital. So at this point they are like medically stable to where they don't have to be hooked up to IVs and they don't need their heart rate monitored and blood pressure monitored all the time. Um, but so we have like, we'll have kiddos 
who will come from really all walks of life, um, anywhere between the ages of 12 and 17. Um, so, you know, I have clients who come from very, very privileged homes. Um, and then I have clients who come from a lot of trauma. Um, so, you know, it's eating just like, I guess that's to say like eating disorders, like are not a one size fits all. Like they don't have just like one stereotype. Um, they come up in all different shapes of bodies. Like I have clients who are in small bodies and clients who are in larger bodies. Um, clients who purely restrict their intake and clients who um, binge and purge and restrict. Um, so it's definitely a wide range of different things that I'm seeing. Um, as far as what my role is with the clients is um, I help or well, I like craft their meal plan. So we have um, we have like a structure for how we like we have like base meals and then we have snacks. Um, and I don't want to say calories on the podcast, just in yeah. the event that someone is in eating disorder treatment center and it's something similar. So I just don't want that to be triggering. Yeah. For um, sure. so yeah, I'm the one who will come up with their meal plan, um, to decide like what's going to be like the most appropriate to start. And then that's what they'll follow on at least for the first part of their treatment. And then depending on like if someone is in need of weight gain that might have to result in a meal plan increase just depending on how their body is reacting so it's like that's definitely the more like objective medical side of like crafting the meal plan um crafting like or like figuring out like what the goal is going to be in terms of their weight um and then i also meet with them weekly so i have 12 i have a 12 client caseload. So I meet with each of them once a week for 30 minutes. And so some of the things we're talking about in our sessions are, um, you know, from the most basic of like helping them recognize their behaviors and like what supports they need to help with those or like coming up with plans around like, how can we really get you to start eating and not restricting. I mean, cause I'll have clients who won't eat for three days and then it's like, okay, like we got to like figure this out um, so that you don't have to go to the hospital. Um, so some of it is that like just more support management or depending on where some of them are in their journey, we might be focusing on food fears and like food judgment. So like, what are things coming up around food? Um, what foods are scary for you? Like, today for we do what's called meal outing i mean right now it's meal inning with coronavirus like today we ordered from a pasta place and you know pasta is carbohydrates and that tends to be a really scary food for people because the media and diet culture has really demonized carbohydrates as like the enemy and they're gonna make people gain weight so it's really scary. And then also when you add cheese on top of it, that's just like the cherry on top. And so um, a lot of the clients were having to face food fears today. And so like in my session with them, when I see them next, it'll be talking about like, so you had mentioned in reflection, like this was a fear food for you. Like what were the judgments coming up in the moment and how did you challenge that? Because it's like, you know, I really want to help these kids learn that that I'm not trying to teach them that all foods are nutritionally equal because that's a lie. 
but it's like how can they get to a place where food really is like emotionally equivalent to where it all has the same emotional response um and they all have the same level playing field which you know really at the end of the day doesn't include guilt and shame um so yeah it's like that's the kind of work I'm doing with them um I sit down and have meals with them. So I have lunch with them on Thursdays and dinner on Tuesdays. And so really during those times, um, like if someone's having a really hard time with the meal, it'll be like coming over and providing support to them of like, like, like I notice you're having a really tough time right now. Like, what can I do to help you? Like, what do you feel like you need in this moment? Um, yeah. So that's my week in a nutshell. Oh, then I also work with the families. Um, since they're kids so yeah it's a lot of like family I would say more so on my end like I mean I don't do therapy but more like education of just like helping to build the trust between the client and the parent because I mean it's like with the eating disorder a lot of times that unfortunately breaks the trust between the families um just because a lot of times there's a lot of like lying and deceit which is really unfortunate so it's like how do we create a plan to keep that from happening how do we make sure like there's trust in the families like when the client goes home so there's some help around that and then of course also like helping the parents know how to like portion for their child so it's just a lot of reminders of like you know how to feed your child um so yeah that's my work. Thanks for sharing all that. It, I can totally. Being, ooh, it can be hard work to be in that environment. I'm just thinking about like if I were working with eating disorders, even as a counselor, like that can be pretty taxing. Um, and like just, I guess it speaks to like you as a, I mean, I know you as a person so well and it just like, I know that you care so much and I can imagine that being, you know, really hard to sometimes separate your work from, you know, your personal life dealing with something very emotional like that. Like disorders can be so emotional. Um, How do you, take care of yourself, um, like doing that work? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's really tough. I mean, I would say definitely the toughest days are when you either have a parent and or client who doesn't want to accept the fact that they need to gain weight. I mean, like I recently had a mom just literally like berate me on the phone when I called her and told her her daughter needed to gain weight she freaked out and just yelled at me over the phone. And it's like in those moments, like you question everything you're doing and you take it home with you and you're just like, Oh my God, like what, what am I doing? Um, so it's definitely been really challenging figuring out how to, how to really like let some of that stuff go. I mean, I definitely find like there's nights where it's like, that's all I'm thinking about and it makes it really hard to go to sleep. Or I, like, wake up the next morning and, like, I'm automatically thinking about, like, this mom who yelled at me on the phone or um, this client who got super upset over this um, or, like, did I not say something right? Um, 
so that's like, that's definitely been really hard. Um, I mean, I would definitely say I use, I try to use like distraction of just like coming home and recognizing like, okay, like I'm not at work anymore. Um, I don't need to be thinking about work. Um, so for me right now, I find that like going on walks or watching a bunch of makeup (laughs) YouTube videos (laughs) is like my distraction or calling, calling my mom and venting. I do a lot of venting to her, which I'm very thankful that she'll listen to it. Um, so those are the, the, some of the things that I do, um, before the Corona, I was getting um, massages once a month, which was really great just to like, for me to like have a moment to say like, this is the work that I do. And then for them to do the body work. And then it's just like, you feel so much better afterwards. So I'm really, really missing that. That's been really sad not having that. Um, So yeah, some days are easier than others. It's definitely a skill learning how to take care of yourself in a field like this like it's it's not easy work yeah Um, and I wish I was better at just coming home and being like okay cool (laughs) like I left everything at work yeah it's definitely hard when you're in a field where you're dealing with people's emotions and like you care so much and it's really easy to like identify with, you know, your work. Um, and have, like you said, having those practices is super important. Um, I preach that all day long to people and, you know, the work I do as a therapist and it isn't easy sometimes. Um, but I appreciate you sharing, um, about, you know, that work because I, again, I can't imagine like how tough that is, um, to, to do. Um, there was something in there that I wanted to ask you about specifically. Um, okay. Um, so can you talk about health at every size, like what that is and intuitive eating? Um, for people who may not know what those are. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So intuitive eating and health at every size are two different, I guess I would say like philosophies or approaches, um, but they go like they're very hand in hand with each other. Um, So it's like, I feel like anytime you're in practice, like especially eating disorders, it's always like I teach from, or like, I have an intuitive eating health at every size approach. Like they're just so hand in hand. Um, But so intuitive eating was actually developed by two dietitians, which is really, really cool. Um, I think it was in, in like the nineties. So, I mean, this has been like this, this concept has been around for quite a while. Um, And so really what intuitive eating is at its core is really helping people to get to a point of, being able to like notice like what they're feeling in their bodies. So specifically like hunger and fullness cues. Um, A lot of diet culture and media will say like, that's intuitive eating. And just all listening to hunger and fullness, but there's so much more beyond that. So like one of the big elements of intuitive eating is rejecting the diet mentality of just that, like we don't 
there don't there doesn't need to be food rules um, and that we can eat really whatever we want. But at the same time, as a result of that, we're noticing like what's coming up in our bodies and like how food is making us feel. Um, and yeah, like I said, listening to hunger and fullness, um, really challenging those thoughts in our heads about like, is this food good? Is it bad? And so intuitive eating is really helping us to take away that moralization of food and just seeing it simply as food. Um, so it's like intuitive eating with that keyword of intuitive is just like you, you follow what your body needs. Um, yeah. yeah. Any questions on that? Sorry, I feel like I got yeah. a little jumbled. No, it's, that's great. Thanks for explaining that. Um, yeah. I'm curious, like, you always, like, see those things, <laughs> like, what di- what a dietitian eats in a day, or, like, oh my God. I don't want to know, like, what you specifically eat in a day, but, like, can you maybe, I think it'd be so interesting, just, like, the mentality of it, like, how do you approach eating every day? Like, um, So for example, like, yeah, I mean, you wake up and then how do you, what's your process? Like, you don't have to tell me exactly what you eat, but I'm so curious, like, what's your process like? I think that'd be great for people to know. Totally. Um, I mean, I think definitely with like being a dietitian, like there's certainly some advantage of like, like knowing like balance and macronutrients and all that stuff. Like, it's just, I get that edu like I, I got that education. So it's like, for me, I find it easy to just be like, okay, like this is what I'm going to whip up. Um, so, I mean, for me, I know, and like, as a part of like intuitive eating, it's like, I've recognized and learned, like, these are the things that I need in the morning to really make me feel the best and to also not be hungry an hour later, because like, really sucks when you're at work and you're hungry, but you can't have a snack. Um, so it's like, for me, like in the mornings, like definitely having a balance of all like protein, fats and carbohydrates and also coffee. Um, like that's what I always aim for. Um, I'm definitely like not rigid. So some of it is just like, okay. I mean, it's like, yes, there's definitely some planning ahead. Like when you're grocery shopping, but like a lot of days it'll just be like, okay, what sounds the best to me this morning? Like sometimes it's scrambled eggs and sourdough toast with butter and fruit. And I'm like, yes, like that's what sounds really good to me today. Or there's days where it's like, I just want a green smoothie and like a piece of banana bread that I baked over the weekend. So it just kind of depends. Like I really try to go with like, okay, what is it that sounds the best to me this morning? Um, and that's really like sort of the same thought process with lunch and dinner. Um, I mean, definitely with like my husband and I, we do a little bit of like prepping ahead of time just because like we're busy. Um, And I think it can, like, in the case of intuitive eating, sometimes it can feel like if we're meal prepping, like we're taking it away, like taking intuitive eating away. But it's like you can do some intuitive eating before that, like with coming up with your plan of like, okay, I think this might sound good during the week. Um, Yeah, so that's really like the thought process that goes in for me. And then as far as like snacks, it's just like a variety of things. Like, I mean, Costco, like they have the best big snack bag. So we always get a bunch of those, but then I always love having like fruit and like spread at home. So it's just like, 
so much of it at this point now is just like what sounds good to me in this moment and also like what's gonna hold me over for like the next two hours yeah um and yeah it's like what's gonna be satisfying for me um so yeah I mean I think even for me like intuitive eating has definitely been a journey of like yeah even challenging my own food judgments and thoughts and challenging like my own they call it the food police like the thing that's being like no that's good that's bad and so like challenging that in my head um it really like it gets you to a place of what they call food freedom where it's like you just don't feel chained to like a certain way of eating um so like it's just it's really liberating um, what's really interesting with intuitive eating though, is it can be really scary for people because I think a lot of people can think of intuitive eating as like, I'm scared that if I go just based off intuition, all I'm going to want to eat is chips and cookies and ice cream because that shit's good. And that's what always sounds good. And like, people are scared that that that's all they're going to eat, but it's like, that might happen when you start doing intuitive eating, but also at the end of the day, like the big part of intuitive eating is recognizing like how that makes you feel. And like, probably if you're only eating ice cream and chips every day, like, ooh, you're probably going to get a big belly ache. <laughs> yeah. going to feel good. And like, you're not going to have energy. And so I love that about intuitive eating and that it like really respects it, that it respects like there are foods that will make you feel more energized and there are foods that are going to make you feel better but there's also going to be foods that can only nourish your soul and or there's going to be some foods that won't nourish your soul like I'm sorry an apple is not going to nourish your soul a piece of birthday cake or a scoop of birthday cake ice cream will nourish your soul and so it's like that's like what intuitive eating helps people to recognize yeah Totally. I'm um, really glad you broke that down for people. Thanks for yeah for that. So it's a fun question. What is like a food for you that really nurses your soul? Like what is oh that? Like, oh, when you think about it, you're just like, oh, uh, mac and cheese. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I freaking love mac and cheese. Oh my God. It's like the, like any restaurant I go to, it's like, what's the mac and cheese? Like, are there toasted breadcrumbs on there? And if there are, like, sign me up. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to have. I knew you were going to say that. Ugh, I just freaking love it so much. It's so good. Yeah. I wish, like, dairy for me is a tough one to digest. But, I, I mean, I would eat mac and cheese if it didn't make me feel terrible. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, thank you for kind of breaking down the intuitive eating. Yeah. I hope that made sense for your listeners. I mean, it made sense to me, so I think it'll make sense for everyone. Um, How did you, how did you come upon this way of this approach, this intuitive eating approach? I mean, I know it's not like, it's not like a diet where it's like, oh, this is the you know, paleo or this is the whatever, like, I know it's not a diet, but how did you sort of like come upon this? Um, yeah. Um, it was definitely when I was still working in bariatrics, you know, I can't remember exactly how I stumbled upon it. If I saw it on like social media or I heard it on a podcast, but it was through one of those mediums that they had mentioned the book. And I was like, I'm going to read this book and like learn more about it and understand it. 
Um, but yeah, that was when I really like started to dive into it. And then I remember like shortly after that, do you know who Christy Harrison is? Her pod, mm-hmm. she has a podcast called Food Psych. Mm-hmm. Great podcast, very radical, but mm-hmm. really great. Yeah. Um, she brought someone on who had had bariatric surgery. It was either who had had bariatric, yeah, I think it was someone who had had bariatric surgery and basically how the, the surgery like really did not work for this person. Um, and so like they were talking about like how crappy bariatric surgery was and like even in those moments, like it was very eye opening of where it was like, oh my God. And so, yeah, it's like, and she was talking about how like bariatric surgery, like really takes you away from intuitive eating because you're told you have to eat these certain foods or this amount of food. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I can't, I don't, I can't remember the exact moment that I like stumbled across it, but it was like shortly into working at the bariatrics place. Yeah. It's so, it's so cool when experiences that aren't like the most ideal teach us the most and lead us to like the things that we love the most or like teach us how to get more into alignment with what we want to be doing if that makes sense yeah totally totally Um, I mean it was definitely really like eye-opening for me also because like like before I learned about it like I mean I like come back to like my dad and like my dad, like he's freaking, he's Midwest. And like, if anybody, like if your listeners know anything about the Midwest, like it's meat and potatoes, like sugar, like cookies and sugar, like that's just like such a staple. And it's just like, there's not as much of an emphasis or at least like, I think with like our parents' generations, there just really wasn't that emphasis of like the, like fresh foods. I mean, and I, I remember for myself, like we, we ate like box stuff all the time. Like it was just so normal in our household. And so like, as I started learning about nutrition in high school and then college, like I just remember getting on my dad so much of always being like, dad, like stop eating that. Like you can't eat that ice cream. And like, just looking back on that now, I just like, I just shake my head and I'm just like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like it just, it feels like so, I mean, it was, it was super shaming. Like I was shaming my dad so much. I mean, so now like when I see him, I'm just like, you do you, man. Like you're almost 70 years old. Like you want to eat the fricking ice cream and have two bowls of it, like go for it. Like you do you. Um, And so it's like that, like learning about intuitive eating, like that's been really, like, I'm just so thankful for it of just like, when it comes to what people eat, like, like when people ask me, like, what do you think I should be eating? Literally what I want to say, like, it's okay if I cuss on you. Yeah, this is, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Like, I just, I just want to say like, I literally don't give a fuck about what you (laughs) eat. Like, I don't care. I don't care. Like what I care about is like, like, how do you feel about it emotionally? Like, is it stressing you out? Cool. It's not stressing you out. That's great. If it's stressing you out, like, why? Let's talk about that. Like, that's what I care about now these days. Not like what people are eating. But I love like, that. How does it make it feel? Yeah, I think that because that's so important. It's the mental health piece that like, I don't know that is always used in a nutrition, like dietitian setting is like, the mental health piece. It's not just about like numbers and the food. It's like, what is, what is all of that doing to your, to your well-being? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I feel like we forget about 
stress and like stress or well I guess okay I guess I would say I feel like we are talking more about stress in general like how impactful it is on our health but we forget about stressing out about what we eat it's like that stressor it's like that stressor doesn't count but it's like it causes stress and it's like that's something we need to be talking more about of like why did eating that cookie cause you like immense stress like not good yeah it's like I saw like I see people like working in residential like I see people crying overeating uh gosh like what was the most recent thing like I mean I don't want to call anyone out but like for example like even just a cookie like watching clients like crying over eating a cookie because they're like oh my god like I'm eating this cookie like I'm the worst, like I have no self-control and it's just like, okay, whoa, like we do, like we don't need to be stressing out about this cookie unless it's going to make your throat close shut because you have an allergy outside of that. Like we just, there's just no purpose in stressing out about, about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think you hit on like multiple important points, but like from like an energetics perspective, which is like a big part of my life is like energy and, and how energy affects things is like energy affects food. So like the energy that you go into like eating something, like for example, if you go into eating a piece of cake, like I shouldn't be eating this piece of cake because of X, Y, and Z reasons. But then you go to eat the cake with that energy, well, okay, you're not enjoying it and you're infusing this like negative energy into it and then you feel terrible after. But like, what if you went into it like, you know what? I'm deciding and choosing that I'm gonna have this slice of cake because it sounds good to me and I that's what I feel like having and kind of going into it with like, this is going to nourish me. It's going to taste good. I am not judging it. Like that's creates a whole different experience for you eating that yeah. piece of cake. Totally. It totally does. I love how you said that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's, it's all a learning curve, um, for all mm-hmm. of us. Um, this has totally. been so interesting. Um, I want to, before I like wrap up because I want to respect your time. Um, even though I could talk more about this, this is just so interesting to me. Um, I want to ask you like some sort of quick fire, like fun questions. Um, cool. Let's do it. Okay. So what is your favorite food? I'll start there. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like Oh, I'm bad at quick fire. Um, okay, well, I would say watermelon or mac and cheese. Okay. What is your favorite? Or cookie dough ice cream. Oh, I love cookie dough ice cream. What is your favorite restaurant in, I'm going to say in Nebraska. It's for fun. Oh, my God. Runza. No, I don't know. <laughs> Runza probably. I freaking love Runza. Runza or fireworks. Okay. For people who don't know Renza, it's a fast food chain. And what I learned about Nebraska is that cinnamon rolls with chili is a thing, which yeah. I actually never tried in my so good. like 
I don't know, four years of living there. But um, sweet and savory people. Mm -hmm. Um, what's your favorite dessert? Man, okay. Um, probably ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Like either chocolate chip cookie dough or birthday cake. Those are my two favorite flavors too. Oh my God, they're so good. Oh, freaking love them. But you know, I have started to find this new love for sorbet. My husband loves sorbet, and so we get sorbet more often to have at home. Mm. I really enjoy sorbet because it's just very like like cleansing mm-hmm. at the end of a meal. You're like, okay, this is really refreshing. Yeah, so yeah I'd say ice cream or sorbet. Yum. Um, I feel like I'm just asking you about food because it's just so fun. What's your favorite, um, like, type of cuisine? Oh, um, I would say Italian or Indian or oh. Japanese. <laughs> I know it's so hard to choose. Sushi. <laughs> so hard to choose these things. Um, okay, the last question I'll ask you is, because um, you live in Portland right now, which yeah. I love Portland. What's your favorite – food or your favorite restaurant in Portland because I know Portland bamboo (laughs) bamboo sushi okay that was it's like the sustainable sushi place in Portland I mean it's also in I think there's some in Seattle I know there's some in Phoenix um but I think it started in Portland maybe I don't know but I freaking love that place okay I'll have to I'll have to do go there when I visit you um okay last question I lied um what is your favorite thing to cook? That's a great question. Um, I would say homemade pasta. Mm. Well, that was fun. Um, thank you so much for coming on. This was really fun and really interesting. I love getting different perspectives on um, especially food and like from a dietitian and specifically from like an intuitive eating dietitian. So I think that is such an important component that we lose when after we're children, we just lose that ability. Mm. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Can you please, um, tell everyone, all the places that they can follow you and connect with you. Totally. Um, I will say I'm not as active on socials anymore, but I mean, okay, I guess active in the sense that I don't post. I mean, I'm like everybody else. I scroll my Instagram all the time, but you can find me at Sean, S-H-A-W-N-P dot R-D on Instagram. And then my Twitter is just Sean P-R-D. And I'll include that in the show notes. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on and stay tuned until the next episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye.